about what we give our time, attention, and love. We enjoy sharing and following friends, family, colleagues, and inspirational leaders aligned with our passions and interests in a hyper-connected world. We're all about tribes. We join tribes that speak to us and align with our vibe. In Tribe Goals, we share time with key lifestyle and industry change makers as they share some of their inspirations, thinking, and flow with their communities. We'll see how they started and grew their tribe, as well as which they have joined and how that has fueled them. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith, and we'll navigate our favorites in our show, Tribe Goals. On today's episode of Tribe Goals, we have the honor of having three-time Team USA Olympic swimming gold medalist Ryan Murphy as our 55th cover. Known as a decorated backstroke swimmer who also has a world record in the men's 100-meter backstroke, we talk with Ryan about how he got into the sport, transitioning his interest to going pro, his experiences at the 2016 Summer Games in Rio, as well as being part of that riveting 4x100 medley. As Ryan looks forward to the Olympics in Tokyo that's slated for next year, we talk about how he trains and modifies his routines as we all navigate COVID-19, the importance of mental health, and how he's approaching his goals. He also shares how he is focused on impacting the sport swimming, whether as a competitor or simply enjoying water activities. He also talks about how he gives back to others and how this change maker has been inspired by others. I know that you grew up in an athletic family. How did you come to the sport of swimming? And when did that transition from being an activity become one that you knew you wanted to participate in in terms of competition? Yeah, so I'm the youngest of three. So I've got an older brother, older sister. And and you nailed it. We were kind of just like we were that family in the neighborhood that was that was doing everything. Uh, So that's that's really how it started. Like we. We were all born in Chicago. Oh, I moved nice. down to Florida. I'm from Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yep. I haven't been to Indy. I mean, I've been to Indy a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, most of, yeah, mostly when we go on vacations, we go back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we moved down when I was literally six months old. And like the, the summers in Florida, it's just so hot. Yep. So we'd go down to our community pool. My older brother and sister were, were old enough to, to get on to the swim team. And I was, I mean, I was just that little kid running around the pool deck with, with floaties on. <laughs> so when I turned four, I joined the, the, summer league, the summer league team, just kind of following in their footsteps. Uh, and then it, I mean, it really, it progressed naturally. Like I, at, at first, I, I hated going to practice. I, I came up with an excuse every single day. <laughs> Uh, just to just to get out of practice until we were at the end of the summer we were a week out of the big championship meet and they're like all right ryan we're we're picking our four by 25 free relay we've got three guys chosen and it's down to you or billy for the four spots we're going to do a 25 yard free swim off right now uh if you want to if you want to be a part of it you got to swim this 25 free right now so I get up out of my mom's lap, walk up to the side of the pool, win the swim off. And, and from there, I feel like I, I was just into it. Uh, wow. That, that swim off gave me, yeah, that the swim off taught me the love of competing. Mm-hmm. And, and from that point on, I, I was into it. So when I turned seven, we started swimming year round. Uh, when I was 12, I gave up other sports. And, and really, when I gave up the other sports, that's when it that's when it started to become a little bit more serious for me. Wow. 
And did you always dream of being an Olympian? And at that time, what did that look like or mean to you? Yeah, yeah, I, I always, yeah, of course, I always dreamed of being an Olympian. Uh, I mean, I, I also dreamed of being an NFL player mm. or an NBA player. So mm-hmm. I kind of dreamed of reaching the top in in every <laughs> sport. Uh, and, it, and it just turned out that, that swimming in, in the Olympics was, was probably the most realistic uh, of those goals. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do think every swimmer grows up wanting to be an Olympian. And, and I can... I can remember watching the the 2000 Olympics. Yep. So I was I just turned five when when the 2000 Olympics were on, and, and I have some memories of that that I could like go back to right now. And so I, I remember watching the I think it was the women's 400 free relay mm-hmm. at the 2000 Olympics, and thinking that was just the coolest thing ever. Uh, and and it and it continued to kind of grow from there. Like in 2004. I remember watching Phelps and, and him just absolutely crushing it. 2008, I was I was 13 at that point, so mm-hmm. I, I really was enjoying the sport. And so I, I remember like most of the races from 2008, 2012. I mean, I got I got fourth in uh, 200 back at 2012 Olympic trials, mm-hmm. sixth in the 100 back. So I was watching guys that I. I had had interactions with them uh, mm-hmm. at that point. And so that was, that was really cool. Uh, and so every Olympics is cool just to see how like my perspective on the sport changed yep. uh, as I, as I grew older. What is it about the backstroke that you enjoy? And, you know, did you just naturally go to that part of swimming that you wanted to do? Yeah. So, I mean, I think inherently you enjoy the things you're good at. Right. So uh, that's that's probably why I that's probably why I enjoy backstroke more than a stroke like breaststroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaststroke is just not that's just not my my natural uh, that's just not my natural stroke. So I mean I, I do train all of the strokes, and, right. and I think that's really good to, to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, backstroke is just different. You know, like it's it's always been a little bit different. Like I remember growing up. My coaches would always try to give me technique tips in every stroke, and they they would try to give me technique tips on backstroke, and I'd be like, mm, like, you know what? Like the way I'm feeling it right now is, I think better, and and that was me as like a ten year old. Wow. So like as a ten year old, I knew that like the things I was feeling were potentially a little bit different than the way the coaches had had taught technique in the past mm-hmm. and so it's it's kind of weird looking back because I've always been a very like obedient uh respectful kid and, mm-hmm. and in my mind I was like okay like I'll, I'll act like I'm taking this advice but I wasn't actually taking their advice for for backstroke technique right uh and, and so that yeah like I I guess I now that you asked that question I'd never really thought of that before but it it Backstroke has always just felt natural, and I've always felt like I have a really good feel for the stroke. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, especially when you talk about a sport like that, where, like you said, there's different types of strokes and stuff, but you can tell when you see someone when they're hitting it, and they're just on autopilot, because that's not about the one, two, three, four. It's just natural. And so that's why I asked that question, because I'm just like, he really likes that backstroke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when you watch like uh, when you watch like a marathon. Yep. Like those guys and those women that are winning the marathon. I mean, they're holding. I think the the Elliot guy holds like four 
like in the four minute range mm-hmm. for a marathon. It doesn't even look like he's trying. Exactly. Like, holy, like, holy yep. cow. Yeah, that's some, that's some serious talent right there. Absolutely. No, for sure. Well, what was it like for you when, you know, you went to the Olympics in Rio from the opening closing ceremonies to competing, getting three gold medals and, you know, setting a new world record to boot for the 100 meter backstroke? I mean, what was that like for you, especially because that was your first one that you went to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an absolute whirlwind. And I, and I think one of the things that I did a really nice job of going into it is, is as we talked about before, it, it was always my dream, mm-hmm. always my dream to go to the Olympics. And when you're, when you're living your dream, like when you, when you actually like are, are in, in that moment, that could be a very, a very pressure packed situation. Absolutely. And so I, I think what I did well is I kind of downplayed the, the significance of the moment mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and that helps me a ton at, at the Olympics in terms of the, the experience itself. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely unreal. Like when you're there, uh, I mean, it's, it's a swim meet and, and I've been to mm-hmm. hundreds of swim meets in my life. So you don't really realize it when you're going to the ready room, you're getting behind the blocks, you do your race. You only really realize that when you get out of the pool and you're kind of chauffeured immediately to NBC. And then you yep. can literally, if you want to, you could probably talk to like a hundred different media outlets right after your race. Wow. And that's something that I've never experienced. Mm-hmm. So navigating that was, was very interesting. <laughs> but I think honestly, and, and this is so cliche, the thing that I appreciate most is, is, is the friendships, the, the memories of it. Um, like it, it's really cool to, to look back and, and think of the conversations that, that you have with a guy like, like Phelps right. or, or Ryan Lochte, people that have been doing it for, for so long and are absolutely iconic in the sport, uh, to be able to develop relationships with those guys that are lasting is, is really cool. Well, when you look at, like, I remember, you know, watching the 4x100 with you guys, with Phelps and Miller and Adrian, and how do you, from a training perspective, prepare to train for this particular event since there's a number of people with you doing that? Is that difficult for you? I, I think relays are the easiest part of the sport. Wow. I absolutely love the, the relays. Like, it, it just, it, it's so fun going behind the blocks with, with three other guys. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, like, you, you never feel more patriotic. Like I go mm-hmm. behind the blocks. I'm, I'm wearing the, the USA cap and, and Cody and Michael and, and Nathan are all wearing the same. They're all super fired up the end of the meet. So we're excited that like we, we had all had great meets at that point. So yep. We're all really excited about that. We're excited about the race. Uh, and, and I think the, the coolest part about that is, is obviously you're, you're swimming with, the most iconic Olympian of all time. Yeah. And, and I think what's, what's really, what's really awesome to see is like, you go, you walk anywhere with Michael Phelps at the Olympics. It could be the, the warm up pool, the ready room behind the blocks, mm-hmm. every single person, whether that be a swimmer, coach, official volunteer worker wants, wants a look at Michael Phelps. <laughs> Everyone for at least a split second is off their game because they're observing Phelps. Yeah. And, uh, and that just gives, that just gave me so much confidence. It's just like, wow, like this guy is so 
iconic that everyone has to stop what they're doing mm-hmm. and, and he's on my team. Yeah. And so I, I think that was, that was a huge confidence boost behind the blocks and it totally added to the adrenaline of the moment. Like I was thinking, okay, like one, I, I've got to nail my leg, but mm-hmm. then two, I also, I really can't screw this up for, yeah. for Michael. You know, like he's, he's won like 20 something golds, mm-hmm. 20 something medals. Uh, you know, if he goes out on a silver, that's just, that's just weird. So like, he's, <laughs> we, we've got to get him a gold here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I was just rewatching. I mean, obviously I remember when it happened in real time, we literally booked our whole night around it. Like people wanted us to do a photo shoot. We're like, no, that the four by 100s on, we're not doing that. And then watching it just a couple days ago and prep for this interview. And I'm like, it still gives you goosebumps watching it because all four of you just like killing it, which is just it is just one of the most iconic moments in, in the Olympic history, in my opinion, you know, so I, I just think that's amazing. So what lesson did you take away during the Summer Olympic Games in Rio? Did you like just lessons in general or anything like that? Ooh, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, I think every every swimming is a, is a really good learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do think the biggest that is a really good question. I, I like that one. We, we have some sneaky questions. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, the so I guess the the biggest lesson I, I probably learned from from Rio is that when you're when you're in a situation like that where it's there's so much pressure, like every every emotion is going to be heightened. Yeah. So like the the highs are going to be really high. You know, like the excitement levels are through the roof. But then like the, the like the feelings following a bad performance are going to be really, really low. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think the, the biggest thing is just recognizing that like the entire scope of emotions is going to be felt by both yourself and your teammates. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to, you have to be aware of that. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And, and then just learning how to like, how to get in and get out. You yeah. know? So like when I'm at the pool, let's be intense. When I'm not at the pool, like let's chill, let's enjoy this moment. Let's enjoy the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that, I think that's the biggest thing. Like you've got to, even throughout that eight day meet, you've, you've still got to have balance. Wow. Uh, just cause you cannot, you, you cannot be just eyes wide open super intense for eight days mm-hmm. and, and still be firing pretty well on day eight. Mm. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing I learned. Well, what's an average training day like for you when it comes to, you know, I, I assume that you're doing gym time and pool time. So what, what does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, right now it's, it's, it's obviously a, a, a little different, different <laughs> but when we're, yeah, when, when we're in our quote unquote, like typical schedule, we go two practices on, or I guess you can maybe count it as three practices on, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then one practice on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we go six to seven forty-five in the morning, one to two in the, in the weight room, mm-hmm. uh, and then two fifteen to three thirty in the pool on Tuesday, Thursday. Saturday, we just go 8 to 11 in the morning, mm. and, and it's really just an absolute burner of a, of a pool workout. Wow. 
And how have you adjusted your workouts because of COVID-19? I mean, I saw on Instagram that you were pushing a SUV up a hill in neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that was, I mean, that, that particular video, that was in that kind of the lag time where, yeah. like, I was, I was training at, in Colorado. I was training at the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. Yep. Uh, as as the coronavirus situation was was really ramping up, the Olympic Training Center closed down, mm. and, uh, and so we had to fly back to Cal. And there was a six day period between the Olympic Training Center shutting down and the Olympics being postponed. Yeah. So we come back to Cal. We we didn't have access to the weight room. We didn't really have any weight at our house. So we're, we're trying to work out. We're trying to figure out, like, okay, like, the Olympics are still on. Like, we have to be prepared. We, we have to be safe. We have to support our communities. But we also have to prepare for our our dreams, mm-hmm. essentially. And and so we were we did a workout in the garage, and we're like, all right, like, I feel like we hit the arms pretty well. Uh, but we didn't feel like we hit the legs super well. So I'm, I'm like, looking around. I'm like, how do I work out my legs mm. without any weight? And, and so I'm like, all right, look around. I see my car. And I was like, all right, Josh. Uh, so Josh is one of my roommates. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's still swimming. He won the silver medal at mm-hmm. the 2016 Olympics in the 200 breaststroke. So I was like, all right, Josh, like, let's try to push my car uh, up, our, up a hill. So we, we live on, on the top of, uh, on, on top of a big hill in, in Berkeley. So we were like, all right, like, I don't know if we could get this very far, but like it, it could be a solid workout. Wow. So we, we pushed the car. The the street we live on was a little bit more steep than, than we were hoping. So we didn't get it super far, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it was, it was cool. Like it, it's cool to get creative in this time. Yep. Uh, I think it's, it's so easy as an athlete to, to fall into a routine and, and stop thinking about like creative ways to get better. Mm-hmm. So, so that is something I've really enjoyed in this time is, is getting creative, finding new ways to improve, um, and, and just really like pushing the envelope on, on performance. Wow. And, you know, I know that when you're coming into an Olympic year, typically there's like things that you do in one month versus another month. How do you mentally make the changeover now knowing that it's been pushed back for an entire year? How does that work for you in terms of training your goals and, you know, just being in that mindset that that is now pushed back a little bit further? Yeah, so I think the from from the mindset, like when when that Olympic decision came down, I think there there were a couple of different ways that people approached it, and, and the way that I approached it is it's like, okay, like that is that's the end of my season. Yeah. So so I took a couple of weeks off. I I went home. I uh, stayed with my with my parents for a little bit, which was which was great. Like I, I hadn't been able to be home in in about a year. Mm. So so it was cool to to go back to Florida and, and, and hang out with them for a little bit. And, uh, and then when we started to get back into it, it's like, you know, like, like the, the progress we made in the past year, that progress was made just, yeah. just because we didn't get to, to see a time on a scoreboard at the end of the year doesn't mean that we didn't improve. And so like, I, I was able to accept that. I feel like pretty, pretty easily and, mm-hmm. and going into this season, it's like, all right, like we're going to start off slow. 
We're going to build the intensity, both physically and mentally. Uh, and then we're, I mean, we're circling June and July of 2021 now, and, and everything's going to build towards that. So, I mean, it's it's a bummer that, that the plan changed, but, you know, knock on wood, the, the Olympics are happening next summer. Yeah. So, so we're... We, we, we shifted and, and we're, we're prepping for that and, and hoping to put together a really, really good performance there. And what are your goals that you have going into the next Olympics? Like, do you have certain things that you want to tick off that you want to, you know, achieve there beyond what you did in the last Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you always you always want to you always want to be topping uh, yourself and and everyone else. So, I mean, my goal is going in like I. I would love, I'd love to defend my titles in, in all three of those events, so mm-hmm. the 100, 200 back and, and the 400 medley relay. And, and they added a new event this time around. Mm-hmm. It's the 400 mixed medley relay where, where you take two guys and, and two females wow. and you could put them on any strokes. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, to get onto that relay and, and I'm hoping the, the U S wins the inaugural 400 mixed medley relay as well. Uh, oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm someone that I, I totally thrive on, on the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that is, that is a, that's a daily motivator for me. Uh, and I think the thing that I, I have to be super careful of is just making sure that throughout the season, I'm still just focused on, on self-improvement. Like right. the, the competition could be a motivator for those days when I really don't want to wake up at 5:20 and, and get in the water. It's mm-hmm. got the, the the competition's going to push me to do that. It's going to push me to wake up, get out of bed, go to practice, work my butt off. Wow! Uh, but at the end of the day, like I've got to I've got to push myself uh, as far as possible. Um, and, and so that's that's my goal throughout the year. And then you know the hope is that that culminate in uh in being good enough to win at, at the biggest stage yeah and you have amazing brands that you've partnered with from like bridgestone and speedo as sponsors like how do you determine the brands that you align with based on your synergy and do you kind of always have a bucket list of other people or brands that you want to partner with just you know to expand your portfolio yeah i mean i, I think first and foremost i want to be with with world-class brands like that's something that was a model of ours at Cal is, uh, you know, like we, we want our aquatics programs at Cal to be world-class. And that's something that, that really stuck with me. Like I, I want to be associated with people that do things the right way and, and they do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like at the simplest level, that's what I look for. And, and Speedo, Bridgestone, uh, Goldfish Swim School all have that in common. They, they all do things super well, first class. Um, I mean, I think they're all very, very competitive. Uh, they they want to be the best, mm-hmm. but they also do it with class. Wow. Like the, the executive team at Bridgestone is incredibly impressive. They're able to flip the switch. Like, we want to be the best fire company in the world. Yep. Uh, and, and at the same time, they are the nicest people ever. Mm. Same thing with Boldfish, same same thing with Speedo. So that's, that's the biggest thing I, I do look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also, like, it, it has to make sense in my, in my daily life. Right. You know, so it's like on a, on a daily basis, 
I, I drive my car every day and, mm-hmm. and I drive my car on Bridgestone tires. I live at the top of a hill. So it's like if my tires weren't good, I wouldn't be able to get up this, get right. up this hill. Uh, I, I wear a Speedo every day. So I, I, that makes sense. And then Goldfish Swim School does a ton to teach kids the sport of swimming, which yeah. is something that I'm, I'm super passionate about, um, both from a life-saving perspective uh, mm-hmm. just because if, if you get swim lessons and I'm, I, I don't want to mess up this stat, but I, I think it's like you are, I want to say it's like 90%. You are mm. 90% less likely to drown if you had formalized swim lessons. Wow. And that is an incredibly powerful stat. And so I, I want to grow the sport of swimming and I, and I also think, like, even if you don't choose swimming as your sport, mm. water activities are incredibly fun. Yeah. And, and so many of my favorite memories have come in the water, both in competition and then also, like, the ocean and, and the river. Like, I, I love the water, and I want everyone to experience the gifts of the water. So that all three of those brands have, have made a lot of sense for me. Mm-hmm. In terms of bucket list brands, like, it's, it's just something that's, that's gotta be a part of my daily life. You know, like I, 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 I have things that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, whether that be going golfing or mm-hmm. following the stock market. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I, I love <laughs> following the stock market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I will say like, I, I don't splurge on a ton. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm pretty frugal. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm willing to splurge on is watches. I well, absolutely go. love watches as a, as an accessory piece. So yep. that's, uh, I mean, I guess any, any of those, I mean, anything that falls within my interest, that would, would make sense for me. I love that. And, you know, in terms of working out, because we're always looking to add to our fitness routines, what are three of your go-to workouts that you tend to do, you know, in a session? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, like, in a sport like swimming, the most important thing is is your abs and your, yep. and your stabilization muscles. So, so abs and back are I, I hammer those on on a daily basis. So, like exercises for that, like I'll do the pretty typical crunch, side crunch, um, be up plank, side plank, stuff like that. Like it's all pretty pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like, I mean, I, I love the Olympic lifts, so I mm. love doing clean. Uh, I mean, I guess if I'm, if I'm talking to like less of a, like less of a professional athlete, I would mm-hmm. say like an alternative to cleans would be just front squat. You yeah. Know? So like learning like back squat, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of back squat. Mm. It's just like, it's, it's easy to hurt the back yeah. in, in back squat. So I, I'm, a, I'm a, much bigger proponent of front squat where you've really got to brace the abs mm-hmm. to, to hold your body upright. Um, you can't do as much weight, but it's more of a full body exercise. Right. And then, um, I guess for an upper body one, um, I love, I, I, I guess pull-ups, uh, mm. and, and you could do so many different, you could do so many different variations of pull-ups. You could do, uh, overhand, and, and really just isolate the lats. You could do underhand and get a little, bi- little bit of biceps in there. You could get wide grip and get a little bit of chest. Mm. So 
So, so there's just so many different variations of, of pull-ups. And, and so I think that's a really great uh, full upper body exercise. Wow. Well, from a dietary standpoint, what foods do you incorporate into your regimen that fuels your workout and it also optimizes, you know, the goals that you're trying to do? Yeah. So I, I mean, I try to keep the diet pretty, pretty simple. Um, so, I mean, at, at the simplest level, like most of my meals, I'm looking to try to get a really healthy grain slash carb, um, mm. like a really solid or a really solid vegetable, a pretty lean protein. Mm. Uh, and then like, like anyone else, like I love, I love the avocado, mm-hmm. throw some like, throw some like a uh, sriracha or something on, yes. on top, like. I'm, I'm all about the, the sauces, but Same. at its core, I, I keep it pretty simple. So like oatmeal, and then I'll make like an omelet for breakfast, for lunch. I uh, A lot of times I'll make a smoothie, which is essentially like a, a vegetable smoothie where I kind of mm. just throw in like essentially any veggie that's, that's in my fridge. I'll just throw it in there and, and then like kind of throw in some cinnamon uh, to, to make it taste better. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then just like soft <laughs> off that down yep. uh and then for dinner it's, it's typically like your quinoa your rice um or like potatoes a, a pretty lean protein so like salmon turkey chicken mm-hmm. uh and then a, a healthy veggie so I, I mix up the veggie a lot in, in that one as well i love that and when you are splurging do you what are your splurge foods that you treat yourself with i mean it's uh there's there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of sports foods. So I, I also mix up the sports foods. Uh, so, I mean, I, I absolutely love steak. So nice. if I'm, if I'm splurging, like I'll have like a big, big fat piece of ribeye. That is just fantastic. Wow. Uh, or like a nice, like a, a pizza, a burger. I love ice cream. So like, God, there's, you're making me hungry. You're making me hungry <laughs> asking the question. Yes. <laughs> well, how important is mental health um, in times like this, as well as when you're training? And how do you check in with yourself to ensure that you're in the right place to be the best you? Yeah, me- mental health is huge. I mean, I, I think the the biggest part of athletics and, and really life is just like being able to maintain your level of motivation and just being honest with yourself. You know, like mm-hmm. the same way that I talked about that super wide scope of emotions at the Olympics. Yeah. I feel like in a time like this, the, the scope of emotions has, has definitely widened yeah. for, for a lot of people. And so, I, I mean, the way that, that I check in with, with myself is I, I, I feel like I'm incredibly fortunate to, to have an incredible inner circle. So I, I talk to my family all the time. So I talk to both my parents, mm-hmm. my brother, my sister, uh, my my inner circle of friends. Yeah. I mean, we all we all stay in touch very frequently, and so that's that's really what I do. And I, I do consider myself very fortunate. Like I I, I don't want to make myself sound like a an expert on on mental health. Like right. I honestly, never really struggled in, in that area. So I, I do consider myself very, very fortunate in that aspect. Um, but, but I do think every, I think everyone could, could benefit from just having, just having like very open conversations with, with their inner circle. Like mm-hmm. that, 
always helped me. Like I've never, I've never felt like very, very low, but like, you know, obviously everyone has bad days. Absolutely. Uh, and so on those days, I, I totally, I totally lean on, on my inner circle to, to help me out. Well, when you're not training, what can we find you doing when you're just like hanging out, taking time for yourself? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like in, in this time, it, it has been a little bit, it has been a little bit tough because I'm a massive sports fan. Right. So I, Same. I absolutely <laughs> love watching football, bas- yeah, football, basketball, like, I mean, literally, I would set like reminders on my phone when the, when the Michael Jordan documentary just came yes. out. Because I was like, I was, fiend- <laughs> I was fiending for sports so bad. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I, I totally, I totally missed that aspect, but. I have been in the golf for, for a little while now, so mm. I, I'm lucky. I live I live like five minutes away from a golf course uh, in Berkeley, so I, I go up there all the time. Nice. So I, I've been pl- probably playing like at least one round a week, probably going to the range another two times a week. Uh, so that's been great. I, I love following the stock market. So, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I am a bit of a nerd, and uh, – and, and when I turned professional in swimming, probably the biggest thing I was nervous about was feeling like I was losing my mental sharpness. Mm. Uh, and so I, I wanted to make sure I had something that was engaging my mind. And, yeah. and the stock market is that. I, I find it absolutely fascinating looking at, you know, just, just how everything mixes yep. based on people's investment horizons, like how long they want to be in the market whether they're looking purely at like the, the financial statements or if they're going off of the news cycle. Yep. Um, and, and so I just, I absolutely love that. And, and in this time, like there's, there's been so much volatility in the market that there's, I just think there's been really great opportunities to, to make money in, in these past couple of months. And, yeah. and so I've, I've been, I've been dabbling in that a lot. Uh, and so that, that was kind of long winded, but no, no, but I love that. My, I would say my top, yeah, my top three hobbies would be watching slash participating in sports, golfing, stock market, and then just hanging out with the guys. I, uh, I those, love that. Those would, be, those would be my top. We, five of our covers at Athleisure Mag have been um, CNBC hosts. So finance for us has been like actually a pretty big pillar. And just like you said, it's like a hockey stick about what's going on in a given environment and what people are, you know, leaning towards and leaning away from. So we love the financial mix. Um, So I think that's awesome. So you were talking earlier about, you know, you focus or one of the things that you do, like helping, you know, children learning how to swim. Are there other ways that you give back to the community at large or uh, even specifically in the swim community? Let's say kids that are coming up that want to be just like Ryan Murphy and they want to get their goals, too. Do you do those types of things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I, I try to I, I do try to spread out my, I guess, uh, I guess my time mm-hmm. pretty well in terms of the, the swimming community. So I Totally. I, at the earliest stage, the grassroots level, I really want to grow participation in the sport. And so that's why yeah. I've, I've partnered with, with Goldfish Swim School, and, and that's why I'm involved with USA Swimming Foundation. Mm. The USA Swimming Foundation does a lot of really, really good work to increase the reach of the sport. So yeah. it's no secret that uh, minority participation in swimming is mm-hmm. is lower than, than white participation. Yep. And so the USA Swimming Foundation for the past couple of years 
has done a lot of work in that area to, huh. to try to increase minority participation in the sport and uh, minority ability to swim. So wow. that's something I'm really, really passionate about. I did about. not know that. Wow. And outside of, yeah, yeah. So they do a really good job. And then like, as, as people move up in the sport, like there, there's a guy named Carson Foster. So mm-hmm. he's going into his freshman year of college and he's been someone who's, who's reached out and said like, Hey, like, I, I'd love to take your brain on some stuff. And so I, I absolutely love doing that. Like, nice. it, it's cool. It's cool that now at the age of 25, <laughs> like I'm, I'm a veteran mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. But it's also cool that, that people want to hear from, from my experiences and, and hear what's made difference in my career. Mm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm always willing to pay that forward to the younger athletes. And then completely outside of swimming, um, I've done some work with the Tom Coughlin J Fund. Mm-hmm. So getting back to being an avid sports fan, Tom Coughlin was the head coach of my hometown football team. Mm. So he was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So an absolute icon in, in Jacksonville. And, and he has an incredible foundation that works with kids and the families of kids that have cancer. So in this time, I, I've done a couple of Zoom calls with those kids um, because they're they're going through cancer treatments. Yeah. The the visiting hours are limited in in the hospital due to COVID, mm-hmm. and and so they're 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 really just looking for for interaction, and it's absolutely incredible. These kids, like every single one of them, so optimistic, uh, so fun, so outgoing, so mature literally while they're in the fight of their life. Mm. And, uh, and so those, those conversations are incredibly powerful. Uh, and, and honestly, like I, they definitely impacted me more than, more than I've impacted them. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that's been really, really cool to, uh, to be involved with, with the Tom Coughlin J fund as well. Well, what is the legacy that you're looking to build, whether it's in the sport or outside of it that you want people to recognize you for? So, so, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is, uh, I mean, I, it, it's really, it's not about the, the accolades or the accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You know, like records are going to be broken. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be someone younger, you know, probably more talented at some point uh, who's who's going to outdo everything that you've done in the pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, my, my biggest goal in terms of my legacy is, I want I want people to recognize that that I have done and will continue to do everything in my power to to reach my potential mm-hmm. and to and to grow the sport of swimming like that those nice. are those are my biggest goals I, I want to be the absolute best athlete I can be but I also I also want to raise the profile of this sport I I view swimming as an incredible sport and I and I, I want more people to to be involved so. Those are those are two huge goals of mine, and, and I, I do hope people recognize that I'm doing absolutely everything in my power to, to reach both of those goals. Mm. And the final question that we like to ask people, specifically because of the podcast Tribe Goals, as a change maker, you know, being someone who a lot of people look up to, who have been three people for you that have either influenced your career or the way that you look at life? Who are those three people? Yeah, so I'd say... Uh, Number one would be would be my grandpa. Mm. So my my grandpa is 
an absolutely incredible human uh, and kind of a wizard. Like he has his <laughs> he has his PhD in math. Oh wow! So he's he's made his career off of writing math books. So he's written over a hundred math textbooks in what? in his life. Wow! And yeah, yeah, it's absolutely insane. So he's so smart, probably the smartest person I've ever met. Um, and so he's an incredible mentor to me. Like he just has such a down to earth view on life and, and he's had an, an incredibly successful life. You know, like he's someone where like he didn't, he didn't come from, from much and really just valued his education and, and, and has now made a really, really solid living off of that. And so he's someone that I, I respect so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's, he's always someone that, that I lean on for, for advice. Um, so, so he's number one and, and, you know, honestly, that that just kind of includes my parents as well. So, yep. so my grandpa slash my parents, uh, like that's that's all one group. I guess number two. Um, I mean, I guess I'll go more more athletic for for number two. Number two, I guess, would be Aaron Pearsall. Mm. So, as as we've talked about, I've, I've kind of always been a backstroker, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in the sport of swimming, when I was growing up. Aaron Pearsall was absolutely dominant. Like he dominated essentially from 2000 through 2010 mm. in in the backstroke events, and uh, and I, I just like he had a huge impact on on my career. Like I would always just be glued to the TV when when he was swimming, and not not because of the way he swam, but because of his personality. Like he is so chill. Like he would be the guy that would walk out to to his races have his goggles in hand, his cap in hand. Everyone else like has their cap on, their goggles mm-hmm. on, like a lot of time, like over their eyes already. And he's just so chill. Like he's just walking out, like he's going for a Sunday swim at a country club. <laughs> and then he goes and dominates everyone and breaks the world record. Wow. And I just thought that was like the coolest, the coolest thing ever. Um, and then I guess the, the third one, I'll go with, I mean, I'll go with, with a coach. So like, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go with my current coach, Dave Durden. So he's, he's the head Olympic coach for, for this next Olympics. And and he's, I think he's 43. uh, So he's super young in in the coaching world. Mm -hmm. And he just has such a, such a quiet confidence about him that that's just contagious. Like he is so calm, so measured, I've seen him lose his cool. I've been swimming with him for seven years. I've seen him lose his cool probably one time <laughs> in, in those seven years. Wow. And, and he's dealing with 30 plus college aged plus post-grad guys. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're an all guys program. Uh, yeah. And like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of horseplay, like a lot of personality going around and he just keeps his cool at all times. So, so wow. he's another guy where it's just, I'm so impressed by, by his demeanor, mm-hmm. his, uh, his ability to plan, uh, and his ability to adjust. Like in this time, yeah. like it, through, through COVID, he's been an absolute just maniac. Like jumping, jumping through all these hoops, like figuring out like, all right, like how are we going to train safely? Um, and, and just getting all of us on board with his plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just, an absolutely incredible coach. Um, 
and an incredible mentor. Like Dave is someone that's going to be a, a friend for life for, for me. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm super appreciative of the impact he's had on, on my life and, uh, and, and my current livelihood. that you're energized from the insights on today's episode of Tribe Goals. Tribe Goals is a member of the Multimedia Podcast Network Athleisure Studio, part of Athleisure Media and Athleisure Mag. Make sure to follow us and to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Himalaya, and Stitcher Premium. Visit us at athleisurestudio.com backslash tribe goals and follow us on Instagram at tribe.goals to see new episodes of Tribe Goals, as well as to see what other shows we have launched throughout our network. Tribe Goals is hosted by me, Kimmy Smith, and is executive produced by Paul Farkas and myself. Our theme music, Rough and Deep, is performed by Juggling. I'll be back with our next Tribe Goals guest. 